Our gospel lesson today is about our need to pray always and not to lose heart. My friend Margot said that this scripture passage was her scripture passage. You see, Margot and I met in seminary just before she turned 30, and I was in my mid-20s. And we knew early in our friendship a lot about one another. In fact, most people who came to know Margot quickly learned of her desire to be married and to have children. And since I was one who had this, she enjoyed spending time with my children. She set people in motion to help her reach this prayer. She was a little concerned because, you see, she already had a law degree and had served as a clerk and now was entering seminary, and she wondered if all of that on a, on a, in a person might be a little intimidating to a potential husband. So she made it known to her friends that she would like to be married. And people started to look for her. We were really overjoyed when a couple of years later, she and Hal met one another. They had both served at the same um, Native American reservation in North Dakota, which is part of the Episcopal Church there. And in fact, Leo Ludwig, a member of St. Stephen's, was a part of helping them be connected with one another. So many people traveled from New York, where I went to seminary and Margot went to seminary, down to Alabama for Hal and Margot to be wed. Hal then made his way back up to New York with Margot and was in his own discernment about his life and ministry. And they began their life there in New York City. But a few years later, when she was 35 and he a decade older than her at 45, a few years around that time, tragedy struck. On April 15th, he was finishing up taxes and was going to take them to the post office. It was a Sunday. Margot was serving in her field placement parish as a seminarian. When she got the word that Hal, who had felt ill, had gotten into a taxi cab, hailing one and asking them to take him to the nearest hospital. When he arrived at the emergency room door, he was found dead. Margot made it to the hospital as quickly as she could. I'm sure it felt like forever between when she received those new, that news and got to be by his side. I called her on her cell phone a little later in that day and learned of all of this and also learned of how she was putting her law degree to work. She said, Whitney, there are ways for women to have children now, and I'm working on writing up a document that will preserve Hal's sperm so that I might continue to pursue the dream we shared. A little later, I met Margot at the hotel where her family had come in from out of town. And along with her and a couple of other people, we went to her apartment, which she hadn't been to since before all of this happened. Now, if any of you have entered into a home or a room after someone has died, for the first time, you know how it feels. You sense the person still present. Their shoes might be left where they kicked them off. Their toothbrush is resting where they left it last. 
You don't want to disturb anything because you desperately want the person to still be with you. Together, we reheated the leftovers from the last meal that Hal made, and we ate them. I was with Margot then a couple of weeks later when she was to receive the cremains. I came to her apartment. But that day had an additional sadness because her menstrual cycle began. The amount of sadness cannot be expressed. It was so heavy. We cried until we were done crying. We had nothing more in us. Margot finished her spring semester of seminary and graduated. She became ordained and made a priest and took a church out on Long Island. And then she began the process of having a child. The first time didn't work. The second time didn't work. I don't know how many times she tried, but I know that finally the doctor said, really, this is ethically the last time I can try this. Margot consented to that reality. But joyfully, she became pregnant. It was a troubling pregnancy because there were a few times of bleeding and we wondered if it would reach completion. And it did. Harry was born almost two years after his father died. Margot said, this is my story how we are to pray always and not to lose heart. Indeed, it is hard not to lose heart when grief strikes us and when the hopes that we have that fill us, the longings that are at the very core of our being aren't met, it can be easily easy to lose heart. Disappointed that the very thing that we hold most valuable is not being realized, we can begin to give up. Jesus encourages us, encourages us to pray always and not to lose heart because God, who is good, longs for what we long for so that it might come to fruition for his glory. I just finished listening to an audiobook entitled Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Perhaps that name rings a bell because he came to speak at Christ Church Greenwich at the end of September. And we had a little flyer out here about that engagement. I learned about all of this, first through a New Yorker article, but then when talking to my colleague, the rector at Christ Church, Jim Lemler, about the book, he said he read it twice. It was so good. Well, that impressed me. There are very few books that I've ever read, if I've ever read them twice. Brian Stevenson has a nonprofit organization called the Equal Justice Initiative, and it's been in, in work for more than two decades, probably close to 30 now. It's in Montgomery, Alabama. He talks throughout that book about how his faith supports him in the work of fighting for justice. He summarizes it beautifully in the last portion of his book. And I want to share with you just a, little, a couple of paragraphs that I found most telling. Brian got to meet some of the great women of the civil rights movement. Miss Johnny Carr, who could be considered the true architect of the Montgomery bus boycott. 
She organized the people and the transportation during the boycott and did a lot of the heavy lifting. She, this, the bus boycott, as you know, is considered the first successful major action of the modern civil rights movement. And she succeeded Dr. Martin Luther King in being the president of the Montgomery Improvement Association. When Mr. Stevenson met her, she was in her 70s. And she invited him to come and to hear from her and a couple of her close friends, Miss Rosa Parks, and then also Virginia Durr. Virginia Durr was the wife of the late Clifford Durr, who was an attorney who had represented Dr. King throughout his time in Montgomery. She fought for, she confronted injustice well into her 90s. So from time to time, Miss Carr invited Mr. Stevenson to come and to listen to the conversation between Rosa Parks, Virginia Durr, and herself. And that was his job, was to listen. He writes, the first time I met Miss Parks, I sat on Miss Durr's front porch in Old Cloverdale, a residential neighborhood in Montgomery, and I listened to the three women talk for two hours. Finally, after watching me listen for all that time, Miss Parks turned to me and sweetly asked, Now, Brian, tell me who you are and what you're doing. I looked at Miss Carr to see if I had permission to speak, and she smiled and nodded at me. I then gave Miss Parks my rap. Yes, ma'am. Well, I have a law project called the Equal Justice Initiative, and we're trying to help people on death row. We're trying to stop the death penalty, actually. We're trying to do something about prison conditions and excessive punishment. We want to free people who've been wrongly convicted. We want to end unfair sentences in criminal cases and stop racial bias in criminal justice. We're trying to help the poor and do something about indigent defense and the fact that people don't get the legal help they need. We're trying to help people who are mentally ill. We're trying to stop them from putting children in adult jails and prisons. We're trying to do something about poverty and the hopelessness that dominates poor communities. We want to see more diversity in decision-making roles in the justice system. We're trying to educate people about racial history and the need for racial justice. We're trying to confront abuse of power by police and prosecutors. I realized that I had gone on way too long and I stopped abruptly. Ms. Parks, Ms. Carr, and Ms. Durr were all looking at me. Miss Parks leaned back, smiling. Ooh, honey, all that's going to make you tired, tired, tired. We all laughed. I looked down a little embarrassed. Then Miss Carr leaned forward and put her finger in my face and talked to me just like my grandmother used to talk to me. She said, that's why you've got to be brave, brave, brave. All three women nodded in silent agreement. And for just a little while, they made me feel like a young prince. Our gospel message today is about our need to pray always and not to lose heart. The things before us are bigger than we can imagine being resolved. We bring them to God in prayer because we care deeply. And God says, I put that care in you. I need you to bring that to me in prayer and to be open to how I am calling you to respond to it. 
I am inviting you. You will recognize the invitation. I need you to say yes. We can't be brave by ourselves. Nobody has the courage to do this over and over and time and time again. It wears on us. As Brian Stevenson says, we become broken by the brokenness we witness. So we come together in faith. Faith, that trust and confidence that God will respond to our need. And we have that trust and confidence because of the grace that we have seen God demonstrate already. That's what Brian Stevenson calls just mercy. God's grace. Because God doesn't look at the sins and the wrongs that we've done and say, don't worry about it, everybody's like that. God doesn't dismiss it and say, it's, it's okay, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. And God looks at it and notices that it's a big deal and says, I forgive you. Receive my compassionate love. Take that out into the world. We come together each week to be sustained in the grace that God gives to us, what God offers us from this holy table, so that we might go out into the work to try, world to try again, because we are tired, and we wonder if we have the courage. Have you noticed in the, in the introduction to the Lord's Prayer that it says, we are bold to say... We are bold to call God the creator of the universe, the author of life. We call that one Father. Our gospel lesson is about our need to pray always and not to lose heart. God isn't finished yet. And God needs us to work in cooperation with his work in the world. That is God's invitation to us. It will be for God's glory. Amen.